are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday show for you. It is NBA draft time, and the trades have already started happening. Opt-outs have already started happening. Already some major stuff that went down late last night, so you might be waking up and hearing this for the first time. We'll go over it. I've got a bad statistic for all you Chicago Bears fans to show you how awful an offensive team you've been for, oh, I don't know, your whole existence. I saw this number the other day and was stunned. We have a coach and player sexual affair in the weirdest variety. I'm talking weirdest, most random sport. And the coach in question, not really caring. We'll go over that. And the one thing I didn't get to yesterday in baseball, the hottest team in baseball with the hottest young player in baseball. We'll get to that momentarily. All right, let's start in the NBA. You might be waking up to this. So last night, late last night, a three-team trade happened in the NBA between the Boston Celtics, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Washington Wizards. It was supposed to involve the Clippers, but Boston was going to send Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers, but apparently he's got some physical that uh, something physically wrong with him where he wasn't able to pass a physical, so they had to get a third, a different third team involved, and that team ended up being the Memphis Grizzlies. So what's going to happen is this. The Boston Celtics are getting Kristaps Porzingis from the Washington Wizards and also a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 first-round pick. The 2023 first-round pick is from the Grizzlies, They're both from the Grizzlies going to the Celtics. 2023, so a pick for tonight, which is uh, the 25th pick tonight, and then a 2024 first-round pick. In return, the Celtics are sending the Memphis Grizzlies Marcus Smart and the Washington Wizards, who are basically tanking next season already. They've already gotten rid of, well, they just got rid of Kristaps Porzingis. They let go of Bradley Beal. Kyle Kuzma is essentially next. They're not going to re-sign him. But in this deal, they get Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and a 2023 second-round pick. Tyus Jones is good. Good backup point guard. He's probably going to now start for the Washington Wizards, but they're not going anywhere next season. They're over-under. If it's more than 23 games, uh, bet the under. So now you've got the Boston Celtics team, assuming they do nothing else, with a starting five of Jalen Brown, assuming he resigns with them, which everyone expects him to, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Kristaps Porzingis, and Derek White. Not a bad starting five. Not a bad starting five at all. I don't know how great defensively they are, but that is a good offensive team. Um, if you are looking at the Memphis Grizzlies, after he gets back from his 25-game suspension, John Morant, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Steven Adams. That's a good defensive team with two good offensive players, John Morant and Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson's good too, but you've got Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr., two first-team all-defensive players on your team, not to mention Steven Adams, who is out there for his defense and rebounding. I mean, this is – Memphis just got a lot better by adding Marcus Smart. I don't think anybody thought Marcus Smart – was going to Memphis. I thought I think a lot of people thought Marcus Smart was finally leaving the Celtics, and he did. 
I had never heard anything about Kristaps going to the Celtics. That was news. Now it determines. Now he he opted in to do his contract next year, $34 million, 36, 34, $36 million next year. Now it's just a matter of is Boston going to sign him to a long-term deal? Are they going to give him four years and $120 million or four years and $140 million, $50 million, something like that? If that's the case, then Boston, I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do. Kristaps is kind of a unicorn. He's seven foot three, can shoot from 25 feet out, but very, very injury prone. And do you want to lock up that guy for four years for 140, 150 million, considering he's never shown anything that he could do in the playoffs, and he's really never shown he can stay healthy for a whole season? But interesting trade last night. Chris Middleton didn't get traded, but he opted out of his $40 million a year contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. That was his player option. He decided to opt out of it, meaning he is now a free agent. But there's thoughts that he can still re-sign with the Bucks. He just wants to get uh, more money. But, I mean, if this is what's happening the night before the draft, today is going to be such an insane day. I think we're going to, especially when the draft time starts tonight, there's going to be draft day trades. We know this. How big they are, uh, we won't know until later tonight. But uh, I can't wait because this is going to be some really – interesting stuff that happens tonight at the Barclays Center so keep an eye on all of that because (laughs) the NBA is I mean it hasn't been until the last few years I mean growing up I never cared about NBA offseason you know you just didn't it wasn't relevant and I feel like in the past, I don't know, three, four, five seasons, ever since the whole, God, I guess you could go back 10 seasons when LeBron made his decision to go from Cleveland to Miami, NBA free agency is like a big deal. And it's like an around the clock thing where you're watching things and you're, you know, you're, if you're, if you're not on Twitter and you're not following Sham Sharania or Adrian Wojnarowski, then you're not getting your stuff updated as it happens. Uh, If you're interested in NBA trades and signings, you need to follow them on Twitter. But it hasn't been until recently where I've realized, man, the NBA for a couple weeks there in July really dominates the headlines because there's nothing really going on. People still aren't into baseball just yet. Football season training camp is still a month away. College football, spring ball, you know, the spring practices are over. Camp isn't opening until end of July for them. NBA, you know, the NHL season is over. Like, this is where the NBA shines. From tonight until about the first week of July, the NBA is going to dominate the sporting headlines because there's going to be trades and signings and summer league clips of these guys that are getting drafted tonight playing in summer league games. I mean, people can't wait to see Victor Weminyama, Scoot Henderson, the Thompson Twins. Everybody gets drafted tonight. For the most part, you're going to be able to see in the next couple weeks playing in summer league games that are either on NBA TV or ESPN. So definitely go check those out. I saw this statistic in the NFL, and I couldn't believe it because it only told one half of the story, so I had to go Google the other half. But the tweet was this. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, has played three years in the NFL. He's been awesome. He's probably the best receiver in the NFL right now. 
Justin Jefferson needs 235 more receiving yards this year, which I'm guessing he's going to get. It's going to take him maybe two games to get that. If not, I don't know, he can maybe goes off in the first game of the year and gets 250. But he only needs 235 receiving yards this season to have more receiving yards in his career than any Bears player ever. Ever. Justin Jefferson's been in the league three years. Yes, I'm very well aware that the NFL is much more of a passing league now than it was in the 80s and 90s. But I had to Google who the leading receiver in Bears history was. I had no idea who it was. You Google it, it is Johnny Morris. He played for them from 1958 to 1967. It took him nine years to get 5,000 yards receiving. Justin Jefferson has 4,800 and what is he at? 48 something. It's like he needs 235. Is that like 4825? Yeah. 4825. Uh, uh, yeah. 4825 in three seasons. <laughs> it was like 1,400, 1,600, 1,800. That's how he started off his NFL career. He's at 4,825 yards through three seasons in the NFL. The leading receiver in Bears history is Johnny Morris, who had 5,059 yards receiving. Second was Harlan Hill, who played seven years and got 4,600 yards. Third leading receiver in Bears history, Alshon Jeffrey, probably the first name you recognize. Then Walter Payton was number four. Mike Ditka was number five, and he was a tight end who only played with them for five years. Curtis Conway, Seaway, Matt Forte, Marty Booker, Willie Galt, Kevin Cavanaugh, Allen Robinson. <laughs> Brandon Marshall played for them for three years, and he's the 13th ranked all-time leading receiver in Bears history. I mean, that just shows you. The Chicago Bears have never been a passing team, Ever. You know, you figure, you go through iterations, you go through different quarterbacks that come through your system, you go through different coaches, so different philosophies, but geez, this has just gone to show you, for 50 years, the Chicago Bears have never been good at throwing the football, and it looks like they're never going to be. That just doesn't all of a sudden, you just don't be, all of a sudden become an aired out team. Now, I guarantee part of that has to do with where you play. Now, you could say, well, Green Bay has worse weather than Chicago at times in the winter, right? And they and Aaron Rodgers won four MVPs and threw for 4,000 yards. Yeah. So it can be done. So I don't know what the Bears' deal is, but holy crap, when your leading receiver in team history only has 6,000 yards, and that was over 50 years ago when, I mean, <laughs> 1958, 1967, I, were we even paying attention back then? In the modern era, basically. So let's eliminate those first two. In the modern era, the Bears' best receiver has been Alshon Jeffrey, who played there for four years, or five years, 2012 to 2016, and had 4,500 yards. He had 304 catches in five years. So he averaged 60 catches a year. Justin Jefferson is getting like 110 catches a year. And like I said, his first three seasons were basically... 1,400, 1,600, 1,800 yards. That's just stupid. And Bear fans, you wonder why you haven't won a World World Series. You wonder why you haven't won a Super Bowl since 1985. 
There's your answer. It's a passing league now. You have to get with the times. Justin Fields, great running quarterback. But he hasn't been able to throw for shit in his first two years. He better start showing something with his arm this year or else you might want to move on from him. All right. This story out of Texas broke late on Tuesday night. Couldn't get to it yesterday, so I'm going to get to it today. This comes from Stephen F. Austin University in Nagadoches, Texas. Assistant bowling coach at Stephen F. Austin, Steve Lemke, chose to resign rather than be fired after this spring after the university discovered he had an affair with one of the bowlers. <laughs> Lemke is married to the head coach, Amber Lemke. He resigned on April 10th. They're a good team. They've won two national titles and two second-place finishes. So Stephen F. Austin out here, I guess, is a big deal in the bowling world. And this was the guy's quote after getting caught. So this isn't anything illegal. This isn't like, you know, high school teacher having sex with a 14-year-old. This isn't Mary Kay Letourneau and Vili Falau. Nothing like that. It's legal. It's obviously frowned upon, and it's going to get you fired because you're not allowed to have sex with your students as a coach. But this person was of age. He said, I knew it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. There's not a law saying I'm going to go to jail for doing something like this. There's nothing in stone. I guess it's just an ethics code. Like we frown upon it, but there's no rule. There's no law broken. And then just went on to just pile on his wife. I was the stay-at-home dad for five years with the kids while Amber got to go off and coach the team. And when she get back, I'd run practices on top of taking care of the kids while she was back. When they travel again, I would sit back and take care of the kids. Then when I got hired on, she almost forced me to run practices. I was a volunteer the entire time before trying to help out Amber. Once I got hired on, one thing stemmed from another. I felt like I was doing too much for what I was being valued at. What a dick. Are you serious? That's his response to getting caught banging one of the bowlers on the team that his wife coaches? Uh, hey, Steve Lemke, <laughs> you're an assistant bowling coach in college. Quit having this high opinion of yourself because you're sleeping with one of the bowlers and have a little more respect for the mother of your children, for God's sakes. Who does this guy think he is? Just bitching about his wife being on the road with the team. And then when she comes home, I got to run practices. Oh, God. Sorry, Steve Lemke. You got to run bowling practice? Man, got to be rough. I feel for you, dude. Man, I totally see why it made you want to go off and stray on your wife. Having to run those grueling bowling practices. What does a bowling coach even do? The bowling coach? I barely knew that bowling was a college sport where you could win national titles. I knew it was a thing you could do in college and get on some club team or intramural bowling team. I didn't know you could be on the bowling team and win national titles in college. But Steve Lemke, apparently being shunned by his wife because she's, I don't know, doing her job decides that when he gets to take over the team after she gets back 
traveling and he has to run practice, well, I'll just start flirting with the girls and sleep with someone behind my wife's back because, you know, there's not a rule saying it can't happen. I'm not going to jail for it. I guess, you know, oh, God, ethics, schmethics. There's no rule. There's no law broken. No, but there's infidelity, and now you don't have a wife anymore. Um, Karma, man. Karma. Bad things happen to bad people. And Steve Lemke, based on this story, is a bad guy. So screw Steve Lemke. And I hope Stephen F. Austin wins another national championship in bowling. And he's not part of it. And finally, baseball talk. I don't know if you know this, but the hottest team in all of baseball resides in the NL Central. No, it's not the St. Louis Cardinals. No, it's not the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it's not the Chicago Cubs. It is the Cincinnati freaking Reds. The Cincinnati Reds have won 11 in a row. The Cincinnati Reds are 40-35 and 35 now, so they're five games over 500. They have a game-and-a-half lead in the Central on the Milwaukee Brewers, and yet their run differential for the year is a minus 14. They are over 500 and a minus 14 for the year. The Miami Marlins are nine games over 500 in the NL East, and they're minus 18 for the year. What odd statistics. The San Diego Padres are four games under 500 in the NL West, and they're a plus 18 in run differential this year. Anyway, since the call-up of Ellie De La Cruz, Cincinnati's been on fire. 11 in a row. I couldn't name three players on that team. And one of them is Ellie De La Cruz because I knew he was one of the young prospects in the National League that was going to get called up at some point this year. I know Joey Votto, who just came off the DL for them. I don't know who any other teammate. I don't, I don't even know who's on this team. 11 in a row for the Reds. And Ellie De La Cruz, holy crap. This guy is a highlight machine every time he's on TV. All he's got to do is put the bat on the ball, and you think he could end up getting a hit. They already say he's the fastest player in Major League Baseball right now. Home to first, first to third, clocks in as the fastest player in baseball. And already some of the highlights you see of this guy, he hit a very hard grounder to first base and beat it out the other night by sliding into first. This guy's fun to watch, and... Look, the NL Central is nobody's running away with that thing. I mean, we're almost you realize we're almost halfway through the baseball season. We're a week away from being halfway through the baseball season. <laughs> I mean, Cincinnati, 40 and 35. They played 75 games. 81 is the halfway mark. So we are, yeah, we're a week away from being halfway through the baseball season. And nobody in the NL Central is more than two games over 500 except for Cincinnati, who's five. So they absolutely have a chance to win the NL Central. What a story. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Reds. Congratulations to Ellie De La Cruz, because that guy is fun to watch. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe 
is probably the best thing you can do to help the podcast. So thank you all for listening. Pass it along to your friends. And always remember that sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.